Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Investment News Podcast. I'm Jeff Benjamin, co-hosting with Bruce Kelly. This episode is sponsored by Charles Schwab Asset Management. And we're talking today with James Crowley, Chief Executive Officer of BNY Mellon Pershing, one of the uh, mega custodians out there, uh, which I know is interesting to our audience of financial advisors. A little bit about Pershing, if you don't know the, their custody operation over there, they've got almost uh, 85 years of experience in this space, over $2 trillion in global client assets and 1,300 clients worldwide on the custody side. Uh, one thing unique about Pershing, uh, they're not alone in this, in this, but they are one of the custodians that do not compete with their financial advisor clients by doing anything directly with uh, retail class investors. I've had a couple of conversations with Jim recently. We talked about their custody relationship with Steward Partners and how that's going. There's just a lot of stuff to cover right now when we're talking about custodians with the Schwab uh, TD Ameritrade thing coming together. And it, it's such a just, and there's so many of these, these tech custodians out there now coming up with, you know, they're kind of little scrappy upstarts that are that are doing things in the custody space that I got to imagine is putting a little pressure on on the big dogs like Pershing. But let's get all that from Jim. How you doing, Jim? Thanks for being here, sir. I'm well. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Bruce, for having me. Pleasure to be on today. Thank you. Let's get a little bit of background on on you and and Pershing. How long you've been the CEO there? What's your what's your kind of path to getting to where you are as the as the top man over there? Well, thank you. Um, so I became the CEO of Pershing in July 2019, just in time for a pandemic and uh, two years of working from home. So mm -hmm. that was um, an exciting introduction to the CEO role. Um, blessed because I've had decades of experience working here at the company prior to becoming the CEO. I was the chief operating officer for a few years before that. So for me, um, I was very familiar with uh, the company, the different operating parts of the company, and um, you know, very much familiar with uh, the integrations that we had with uh, a variety of technology partners, and, and most importantly, as part of BNY Mellon. Jim, give us a little bit of kind of the background on Pershing and the the, the ties to BNY Mellon and why it's, it's such a significant player in the custody space. Yeah, thank you. So it it's uh, really important and um, it's interesting because this May, May 1st, it will be 20 years that Pershing uh, will uh, celebrate uh, its anniversary as being part of BNY Mellon. It was 2003 when the then Bank of New York purchased Pershing um, from Credit Suisse, interestingly enough. And, um, <laughs> and through the decades, uh, we have uh, grown closer and closer together to a point today that I would say that um, as it uh, is reflected our, in our name, BNY Mellon Pershing, we are very closely integrated um, platform uh, and product offering uh, to our clients, whether they be registered investment advisors or broker dealers. And 
there's quite a lot of uniqueness that comes along with being part of BNY Mellon. Uh, maybe first and foremost that our clients are interested in is that BNY Mellon is a globally systematic important bank. And as such, it goes under a rigorous uh, testing process, liquidity, stress testing. And uh, in this uh, period of time, uh, being part of a globally syst systematic important bank is um, a good place to be. But beyond that, um, there are lots of other things that come along uh, with the value of being part of BNY Mellon. First of all, it's the world's largest custodian, uh, which is something uh, obviously that no one else can say with 44, close to $44 trillion under assets. We're the sole provider of settlement services for the United States government. We settle somewhere between you know, 10, 11, 12 trillion dollars a day in uh, federal um, government securities. Um, and it's, it, uh, as I said, you know, it's, it's really important during times of stress to be uh, partnered up with a parent like BNY Mellon. And uh, it's just been a great relationship for 20 years. So Jim, you got, you're saying what I'm hearing is you're implying that you all were BNY Mellon was stress test, right? As part of these bank right oversight, the Fed's That's oversight, right. you are stress That's test. While some of these other uh, regional banks that have been having all kinds of problems, and, and two of them have closed down. Some of them have had their stock prices, you know, banged into the into into the you know toilet. They were not stress test like you guys. Well. Um, there are different levels of right. stress testing, right, that apply to deposit institutions based upon the level of deposits that they have. And that's have you seen inflows from those regional banks? Has BNY Mellon or Pershing seen depositors leave the smaller banks and go to you guys or, or what? Well, I would say this, Bruce, um, in times of stress, uh, money and assets tend to flow to um, those calm or safe harbors. And uh, when you have a balance sheet like we have, and we can sort of tell our story about the strength and stability that we have as an organization, uh, yes, uh, you see inflows. We saw it in 2007, 2008, and we've seen it the last several weeks um, where institutions have been uh, wanting to place um, their deposits with us uh, and move assets to us. Makes sense. Yeah. I want to put the, the custody space into perspective here, but I first want to yeah. talk about something that we, you and I talked about a few days ago, Jim, the, the relationship, the new relationship with steward partners, uh, you yeah. know, uh, uh, obviously a 26, I think a $26 billion RIA, almost all of their business comes from, or all of their new money or relationships come from uh, breakaways. They're advisor owned too, Jeff, right? Uh, advisor owned. I think they're, I don't know if they're advisor owned. Yeah, I, I, I'm not quite sure, Jeff um, or Bruce. I, I do think that uh, I don't think it's completely advisor owned, but um, but the advisors have a chunk of equity in in the yeah. firm, I believe. Well, yeah. they Stewards Platform allows a W two or ten ninety nine right relationships. But um, anyway, back to my question. I was uh talk talk to me about the one thing that came up in that conversation with you, Jim, and and. Uh, yeah. And with Jim Gold at Steward was the 
which I thought was kind of interesting was the kind of the slow burn of the relationship. I mean, you gave Jim Gold, the, the CEO of Stewart Partners, a business card like four or five years ago at some conference when you met him. And and obviously you were in a different <laughs> position at that time, but but you, you know, and it, it's, is that, you know, I know you're not the the main recruiter at Pershing bringing on RIAs, but is is that kind of how things work in the custody space? I mean, you got to, you know, keep these relationships, you know, kind of warm for, for a long time um, in order to get somebody like Stuart on your, on your platform. Well, it's a great question, Jeff. And, and I'd say a couple of things related to it. First of all, uh, this business is still very relationship driven. Mm -hmm. um, so building relationships over periods of time is so important. Uh, the second part uh, that comes hand uh, in glove with um, relationships is trust. You have to trust uh, the people that you're doing business with. And Jim and I have known each other years for years before we actually started doing business together, mm -hmm. um, which is fine. We're, we're, pa we're a patient uh, company. We've got patient capital. Uh, we're in it for the long haul. And we're really, um, when what what really makes sense is to do business with people when you believe that there's a great opportunity for fair value exchange. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it came a point in time at Stewart where there was an opportunity that made a lot of sense uh, for them to partner with us to onboard some business. And so that's when, as you referred to our conversation a few days ago, Jim called me and said, hey, remember... <laughs> I, I would give you a call when I thought there was a good opportunity. Well, I think that there's a good opportunity. And as as I said, um, um, it's relationships, it's trust, fair value exchange, and the time was just right. Okay. Another thing about Steward Partners is uh, they fit your, your, I don't know if it's the defined or specific or, or even a written market, but uh, they're a big RIA. And as, yeah. as you told me the other day, you, uh, of the 1 billion plus RIAs out there, Pershing has 30% of them, um, or relationships with 30% of them. Obviously right. a lot of them will have multiple custodial relationships, but what about that though? A lot of, uh, a lot of the fallout that we're seeing from the TD Ameritrade Schwab, uh, merger is, that people are worried that the smaller RAAs are going to be kind of, you know, lost in the shuffle. And it doesn't sound like Pershing is one of the, one of the platforms that's going to be rolling out the red carpet to smaller RIAs. What do you say to that? Uh, this is what I say to that, Jeff, that um, we have a, a very well-defined strategy, a well-defined curated uh, list of uh, clients uh, that we have a relationship with. We tend to partner with, not tend to, we partner with organizations that we believe we have a shared and aligned values uh, with. Mm -hmm. And uh, those firms tend to be growth-minded, uh, professionally managed, uh, serving investors with complex financial lives. And so by definition, we do tend to serve the larger, more complex organizations. And as you mentioned, we have relationships with more than 30% of those RIAs with a billion or more and uh, with a billion or more of assets under management. And, mm -hmm. you know, knowing that, you know, that segment of the marketplace, the billion dollar plus RIAs 
control, I recently read a report that they control more than 75% of the AUM market share. Mm -hmm. So that's where we believe uh, our platform, our scale, uh, 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 the productivity that we can add to those organizations, that's where we believe we add the greatest value. But does that mean that, do you guys have a floor that you you'll uh, you won't go under? We we do have a floor that uh, we tend not to go under. It it is that billion dollar level, uh, but there are opportunities that present themselves when an, an advisory firm uh, is smaller than a billion dollars. Uh, it could be a breakaway team, or it could just be a smaller organization, a younger organization. That we believe in their story, we believe in their what they sort what their go-to-market strategy is, and and if it makes sense, we will extend ourselves to partner with those organizations as well. Have you seen any fallout, or or have you seen any business come your way as a result of these? This is a couple of years now of this consolidation between Schwab and TD. Have you recognized any business coming your way as a result of that? Uh, we re we have recognized uh, some business come our way as a result of that. I'll, I'll say this, though, um, Jeff and Bruce, um, you, and you know, uh, both of you know, because you've been in this business and, and following it for a long time, uh, custodial relationships are very sticky. Um, and so these, um, you know, relationships, custodial relationships don't uh, trade with high frequency. Mm -hmm. uh, they trade uh, over periods of time. And, and that's why, you know, I, I do believe that there's real value to uh, my longevity here as the CEO, actually, because mm -hmm. I do know uh, a lot of people. I do know a lot of RAAs. I do know mm -hmm. a lot of people that are sort of in the center of influence. And having that longevity um it, it does sort of create the opportunity, like in the Jim Gold story, when the timing is right, those relationships can trade. And uh, that's why um, we kind of believe in our sort of go-to-market strategy and why it makes sense for us. Okay. Bruce Kelly? Just one or two, one or two questions there. Uh, uh, Jim, how's your golf game? <laughs> <laughs> I knew I wouldn't get away from this conversation with you, Bruce and not talk about golf. It's actually, it's actually pretty good. Thank you for asking. What's your, cause Jeff is a real golfer. I'm just like a fake golfer. I play. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping to golf in retirement if I ever get there, but I, yeah. you know, I play once every five years or something like that. Jeff well, is a real golfer. golfer. Golf What's is, your handicap, golf is, golf is a bit like business. You know, you, you have to learn from your mistakes. You have to um, learn from others and just keep practicing and keep competing and gradually get better. It's yes. a, it's a, it's a grind. Golf is a grinding game and this business is a bit of a grind and you have to, um, um, you have to work at it. But what's your handicap these days? Well, I'm, I'm it's either a two <laughs> or a three. I haven't looked at my handicap. Right. Uh, since it's been winter time here, but uh, I'll I'll say it's a three. I think the last time I asked you asked you it was in the same neighborhood a few years ago. <laughs> um, but thanks for coming on. Always great to chat with you. Just kind of interesting. Jeff did reference these kind of small tech oriented uh, clearing uh, firms. He's he's much uh, clearing custody firms. 
Um, Jeff is much well versed in the custody business than I am, but in the sense of these custody, they're kind of fintech startups, some of them. What happens to them when, like, I think we're facing right a liquidity issue right now. What happens when the liquidity dries up? When you know the tech, <laughs> are you guys going to be buying up small tech custody firms? Do you think in, in the next twelve or eighteen months, or is there an opportunity there? Because all the venture capital money has to be—it's it, not going to be there twelve yeah. months from now. Yeah, I think, right. Yeah. So just a quick comment on that, right? As as you guys know, uh, we stood up this business called Pershing X about a year ago, which is a. Uh, uh, a new advisory platform that we're building right. out. We're in MVP now. We've got a half a dozen clients in the MVP. And uh, in June, we're going to have a bigger uh, sort of splash with the rollout. Um, and we have a build by partner strategy around putting that ecosystem together of applications. And uh, as we've been describing, it's going to be highly interoperable. Um, there'll be a very deep data layer attached to it, and it will be multi-custodian. Um, having said all that, though, um, it does give this this environment does give us the opportunity to continue to look at uh, partnerships where it, we can accelerate our go-to-market strategy uh, by uh, making uh, either small investments or or buying companies. Um, we recently made a small investment in um, an AI financial planning firm based in Canada called Conquest and. Uh, that would be part of our ecosystem on Pershing X. And we're super excited about uh, getting this rolled out uh, more broadly to the marketplace. Huh, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So there is opportunities for the big dog like like you guys to make these types of investments then come in the next tw six to 12 months. You're already doing it. Bruce, it's essential. Um, you can't rest on your laurels. You have to continue to innovate uh, because consumer and advisor uh, behaviors are, are changing every single day, and we need to step up to meet what those um, behaviors are, and we have to continue to eliminate friction in the, uh, doing business. So uh, without looking at these fintechs, um, we would be doing ourselves and our clients a disservice. Schwab Asset Management is proud to sponsor the Investment News Podcast. In today's complex world, Schwab Asset Management provides a simple, straightforward approach to investing. As one of the largest and most experienced asset managers, they offer low-cost core ETFs for building the foundation of a diversified portfolio. Their focused lineup, which includes market cap index and strategic beta ETFs, is a reflection of a commitment to deliver exceptional experiences to investors and the financial professionals who serve them. Learn more at Schwab Asset Management dot com backslash ETFs. That's schwabassetmanagement.com backslash ETFs. What's your perception of the the other big dog or a big dog that's trying to get into the market, Goldman Sachs, right now? Um, you know, I think there's been a lot of uh, attention on Goldman Sachs. You know, the name draws attention. They're trying to get into the high-end a uh, kind of a uh, wealth management custody business uh, catering to uh, perhaps Wall Street or, or so-called wirehouse uh, breakaway brokers. Um, you guys have been an option uh, for that uh, marketplace too. Um, uh, Jeff mentioned Stewart Partners. They had been in discussions with Goldman Sachs as a clearing firm. 
uh, clearing custody. So how how do you how do you review you know look at Goldman or what it takes to get into this business? Uh, so uh, first of all, I I just love competition. So uh, welcome. Uh, great brand names that uh, are looking to be uh, coming into this business and to be a custodian. Uh, I would say this, having been in this business for a number of decades, it's a it's a complex business with layers of complexity. You only have to look at advisor tech, which we were just talking about, to you know recognize that there are two or three or four hundred different pieces of wealth tech out there that are are sort of flooded in the marketplace that many of them are single task sort of functional uh, pieces of technology and imagine what it's like to stitch them all together and right. have a, a real you know great efficient scalable operating system it's a hard business and think about the operating environment and the margins are very small right and the and... margins are are extremely small right and uh, as i said to uh, the team here price is only an issue in the absence of value. So we need to continue to uh, create value and competition's good. Um, it forces you to be better every day. It's going back to my sort of golf history. I loved competition. I thrived on competition and you get to learn from your competition. You see mistakes that they make. You can not make the same mistakes. Uh, you can see how they are driving success and in some cases copy them. So, um, you know, it, it is, a, I think, a pretty high bar to get into the custody business. I welcome the competition. It's good for the marketplace. It's good for us. And uh, we'll just continue to do what we do and differentiate ourselves in the marketplace with the tools that we have. That's great. Thank you so much, Jeff. Whenever we have a big shot custodian uh, represented on the podcast here, we like to go to the uh, the fee question. Okay, it's something that uh, has has been kicked around a lot. I don't see a lot of movement there, but it's still something that is doesn't seem to be going away. Do you see any changes in the way uh, custodians charge or don't charge RIAs to be on the platforms? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, we have a, an interesting uh, blend of ways that we sort of look at pricing and fees that we charge as a custodian. Um, we earn fees based upon uh, account fees, uh, balance fees, uh, asset fees, transaction fees. And um, you have to, the one thing I would say, Jeff, is that's really important is that you have to have alignment with your clients. Just as I started with, you have to have alignment on what I would call sort of values in terms of what you're trying to do in the marketplace. If you have alignment on fees and fee structure, um, you usually get to a place that you have a win-win and, and the relationship uh, can sort of prosper um, as a result of that. Uh, fee compression has been something that's been going on forever. Uh, I don't think it will stop. Uh, that is going to demand uh, that uh, custodians operate their platforms extremely efficiently. It's going to demand that they have scale uh, so uh, they can be, uh, again, sort of operating uh, their platforms in such a way that they can pass on savings to 
uh, the intermediaries to advisors and ultimately to investors. So mm -hmm. um, I, I think fees are going to just continue to evolve as the marketplace evolves and uh, custodians will have to be uh, agile in terms of how they think about pricing for the services that they offer. Speaking of the competition that you have to you you have to continue to serve this market, what what are RIAs looking for these days? And there's there's obviously a lot of choices out there. Um, I'm I feel like I'm one of those airline commercials. We know you have choices when you fly, so thanks for <laughs> flying with us. <laughs> but yeah. uh, why? I mean, you know, why is Stewart Partners coming to coming to Pershing? I mean, not specifically, but generally, what? Uh, what are uh, what are RIAs looking for, and and of all the things that are out there right now, um, how does Pershing stand out? I would say first of all, but it's not. It's typically not price, since we were just talking about fees. Um, I, we're not the lowest priced uh, offer in the marketplace, and nor do I think we ever will be the lowest priced. Uh, we will continue to drive to be as efficient as we possibly can to drive uh, economic savings through to our clients, but. Price isn't something that is one or two on the list when people look at our platform. They look for, um, first of all, the people. Um, do the people have the experience? Do they have the talent um, to uh, serve their business? Do they have the scale to serve their business? Do they have the right risk profile to serve their business? They look for choices. Um, as an example, being part of BNY Mellon gives us a really cool, unique um, uh, opportunity to offer uh, RIAs or investors actually the choice to use a bank custodian option or a brokerage custodian option through one uh, technology portal. I don't think there's another custodian that uh, can offer something like that. Mm -hmm. We offer choice in cash. You know, that's kind of a hot topic these days. And so if clients want to uh, use a bank deposit uh, program. We have choice uh, around uh, bank deposit programs. We have choice in money market funds. Um, I don't know the exact number, but it's probably more than 80 different uh, money market fund choices that we offer to uh, investors and to uh, RIAs. Um, they look for great tech. They look for great tech integration. Uh, they may not take our entire stack from top to bottom, um, but they certainly want to take the core stack and then they want to modify around it. And so you really need to be able to deeply integrate with either a third party technology platform that they prefer or with a proprietary piece of technology that they may have designed and want to um, go to market with. Um, so those would be kind of the primary things, uh, you know, that I would say that. Only those, Jim? Only those. And if you give me more time, <laughs> I can continue. That's a, that's a kind of a laundry list of things or a to-do list, man. That's a, you know, that's comprehensive. Yeah, thank you. Hey, Jim, what about, you mentioned money markets and, and cash management and, and stuff like that. That that became a focus uh, recently with uh, what's going on with some of the regional banks it, has Pershing done anything to kind of up its game in the cash management space and the FDIC insurance, anything like that? Because it seems like the, you know, the the focus is on FDIC and different ways to get it. 
and also on yield right now. Uh, Because from my perspective, a lot of the banks and brokerage platforms, they were kind of fat and happy for a long time with these broker deposits and just catching the spread. But the the technology's there to 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 get the most of everything right now. And the platforms are out there, you know, basically flashing neon lights saying, hey, come to us and we can get you five percent. So what is is Pershing done anything recently along those lines? Yeah, Jeff, so I, I think we were uh, pretty far out in front on this. We have had a choice uh, cash uh, program for years and years and years and years. Um, We've always had uh, several choices for money market funds. As I just mentioned, I think there are more than 80 different funds a client can um, sweep to. Um, And as it concerns FDIC uh, sweep deposit options, uh, we have several FDIC sweep deposit options as well. We have uh, a single bank uh, FDIC sweep uh, into BNY Mellon, uh, and we have multi-bank. And... Um, so, you know, on a multi-bank sweep option, clients can get up to two and a half million dollars of FDIC protection. Um, and we've always been yield competitive uh, on our products. And it's it's quite interesting um, over the last 10 days, two weeks, whatever it might be, um, the, the safety and 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 soundness of the institution and the deposit has now sort of taken the spotlight more so than the yield. Yield's mm-hmm. still important, but safety and soundness now first and foremost. Um, so making certain that your principles protected and or insured is priority one. Um, now yield right. priority two. Bruce, anything else for Jim before we get to sports? Well, we already touched on golf a little bit, um, but uh, we do have the final four coming up, Jeff. I don't know if you were going to ask Jim about that. Yeah, well, I, I, since I, I realize that Jim is such an avid golfer, I'm definitely going to ask him about the Masters as well. So, yeah, let's start with let's start with March Madness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, what in in this game this uh, this podcast will uh, come out on Monday morning, and I I believe Monday evening is the day of the 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 championship game. So I don't know if you, if you do a bracket, Jim, I, 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 or if you even are following it, but um, we're going to ask you anyway, what, what do you, uh, what do you see with the teams that are left? And and if you have a bracket, did it get busted a, f- a few weeks ago? Yeah. So um, full transparency, I do not have a bracket. And if I did, I'm sure <laughs> like millions and millions and millions of others, um, my bracket would have been busted given uh, who the final four teams are here. I do have a dog, though, in the race. Um, Bruce was referring to sort of big dogs before. Uh, I don't I don't particularly care, Bruce, for the big dog reference to custodians, but I I know it was all in in fun. but the Canes, uh, I had a daughter that went to the University of Miami. So I am go Canes uh, here. And Monday night, I look to celebrate uh, when, they're, when the Canes take the title. All right. Well, <clears throat> hoping for the best there. I had uh, Houston over Alabama in the final. So my fun ended a, a week <laughs> or so ago. What about the Masters? Always fun, especially for golf fans. Uh, any yeah. uh, anybody you see kind of coming out of nowhere for that? 
Yeah. So look, Scotty Scheffler is just uh, on fire and the returning uh, defending champ. So it would be hard to uh, not have Scotty Scheffler in, you know, one of your top picks, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, you know, sentimentally, uh, I'm rooting for Rory. I'd love to see him uh, complete the slam. Uh, So it would be great to sort of see him um, uh, take the the masters. Uh, But one thing we can be sure of, uh, or at least for me, I know what I'm going to be doing Sunday afternoon uh, from about one o'clock on. Uh, I'll be planted in front of the television set to watch the final round. Yeah, me too. And I, I'm I'm with you right there. I, I'm a, I'm a big Rory fan. Um, I'd love to see Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy in the final pairing on Sunday. Bruce, any any golf insights or basketball insights before we I like Lee Trevino. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? He's a fun guy too. The Mary Max. The Mary Max Trevino. He was yeah. one of my favorite golfers when I was a kid and he's making commercials. He's doing like, you know, medicine commercials or something now. So good yeah. for him and everything like that. I don't, you know, I'm I'm still pinning my hopes on Tiger, you know. Uh yeah. if, just just to see that guy, gosh, it's it's so reminiscent of of an era, you know of the nineties and the two thousands with tigers storming up the green at Augusta, you know, storming up the 17th and the 18th. But, um, there's just, you know, I, I love it when the masters really gets funky at the end, you know? Um, and even then my, my kids, my two teenage kids will start paying attention. You know, if it's down one stroke with two or three holes left and a guy, you know, hits it into the woods or something like that, that's, that to me is, what makes it so much fun, you know, is yeah. the pressure and how, how these top, top guys respond to the pressure. So I just, I love a tight uh, match as opposed to a, a blowout. On that note, Mr. Crowley, we'll let you get back to your busy job and we'll get back to ours. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Bruce. Yeah. Be well. Thank you very much for the interview today. Launching every Monday, that's another episode of the Investment News Podcast. We want to thank our special guest, Jim Crowley of BNY Mellon Pershing. We also want to thank our sponsor this week, Charles Schwab Asset Management. And of course, we want to thank our producer, Angelica Hester. You can find the podcast at investmentnews.com, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review on Apple. Please follow us on Spotify. If you're still listening, you can reach out to Jeff on Twitter. His handle is at Benji Ryder. Mine is at BD News Guy. Stay tuned. We'll be talking to you next week. <laughs>